One of our uh, seminary professors at uh, Fort Wayne, Dr. Arthur Just, a brilliant man, uh, he had uh, a thought about the Gospel of Luke, and he said, if you want to understand the Gospel of Luke and, and what God is doing, he said, follow the body of Jesus. He said, you should read the Gospel of Luke kind of like a mystery novel, all right? And to understand what's going on, you follow the body. And Luke gives you several signs to follow. For example, when Jesus is born, the shepherds are given a sign by the angel. The angel said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in cloth bands and lying in a manger. And that's the sign of the incarnation, sign of his birth. God is present according to flesh now. But it doesn't end there. A few verses before our gospel lesson for this evening, there's another sign. Jesus hangs dead on the cross. His body is removed, and it's given to a man named Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And they take the body, and they wrap the body in cloth bands, and they lay it in a tomb. Now that is the sign of his death. And in our gospel reading for this evening, there's a third sign. It's verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, alone. In other words, there's no body. As verse 3 says, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So, the linen claws alone, no body, is the sign of resurrection. Now, I think you and I know that an empty tomb by itself does not prove a resurrection. Now, there are other proofs of the resurrection. In just a few verses, after our gospel reading, our Lord will appear to his disciples. There's eyewitness testimony to the resurrection. There's other evidences for the resurrection as well. An empty tomb by itself doesn't prove resurrection, but you can't have a resurrection without an empty tomb. Okay? So this is step one in God providing evidence for his people. It's the third sign. We follow the body of Jesus, you see. But it doesn't end there because Luke not only wrote the gospel, but he wrote his second volume, and that is the book of Acts. And in chapter one, at the ascension of Jesus, remember the two men Interpret what's happening. This man, Jesus, whom you see ascended to heaven, he'll come back the same way. And until the body of the Lord ascends to the throne of God, to take his place on God's throne, 
Until that happens, the Spirit will not be given. The Spirit will not descend until the body of Jesus ascends. So, his saving work continues. Now, question. When will the resurrection occur, the general resurrection of all flesh? When will that take place? Not apart from the body, right? When the body of the Lord returns, when he returns in glory, all the dead will be raised. All who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. I think what Luke wants you to see, I think, I know what Dr. Just wants us to think, is that all of God's saving work is connected to the body of Jesus. It's that way throughout the New Testament. And you know, when you stop to think about it, it's always been that way. I like what John writes in Revelation chapter 13. When he refers to the Lamb of God, you know, in, in John 1, John the Baptist points to him and says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Revelation 13, John refers to him as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. That was always God's intent. God will not save you or me or anyone else apart from the flesh of his son, apart from the body. And it's that way throughout the scriptures. You see his death and resurrection prefigured. You see it in Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22. You see it in the book of Psalms. Uh, we read Psalm 22 a Thursday evening, which graphically describes the death of a man really crucified. You see it in, I believe it's Psalm 40, which is quoted in, in Hebrews 10, where David writes, and, and looking ahead to his descendant Jesus, his Lord, he writes this, sacrifice and offering you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. We see the same thing in the servant songs of Isaiah, especially Isaiah 53, but in all the, uh, all the servant songs. We see the same thing in, throughout the prophets. Jonah, Jesus points to Jonah as prefiguring his death and resurrection. On and on it goes. God's saving work is always connected to the body of Jesus. God does not save you apart from the body. If you want to know what God is doing, you follow the body. And it's that way today as well. You know, Jesus died on the cross. Our salvation was accomplished there. But salvation is not given out there. How is it given out? It's given out in three ways. Through the preaching of the gospel. And you have the gospel encapsulated in your gospel reading for tonight. Uh, look at verse 6. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must, number one, be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and number two, be crucified, and on the third day, number three, 
to rise. That is the gospel. That's the apostolic kerygma or proclamation in a nutshell. And it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is the body of the Lord that we are charged to proclaim, to proclaim his enfleshment and what it all means. The same is true in baptism. We read just a few moments ago, St. Paul writes these words. All of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, his death. Your baptism connects you to the death of Jesus. We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism. Your baptism connects you to the burial of Jesus, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Your baptism ties you, it connects you to the resurrection of Jesus. What God does is really no mystery. If you want to understand what he's doing, just follow the body. Look at what he does there in his son and fleshed the word of God made flesh for us. And you understand the will and the love of God.